Hi, everyone. This is Gracie with Self Care with Gracie. Thanks so much for being here and listening. I have uh, I have a, a great guest here today, and um, she's somebody that I met when I was doing a silent retreat at Yogaville, um, right between Christmas and the New Year. Actually, no, that's that's a. Um, I actually met her before that at a party in DC a couple months before that, and she is the one who convinced me to um, to go to this retreat because I'd already been thinking about it. So her name is Lainey Sullivan, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a little bit about her, but I want you to hear her voice first. So hi, Lainey, how are you doing? Hi, I'm great. Staying warm, uh, trying to stay warm. Oh my gosh, yeah, I think we're just at the end of this little cold snap here in in DC. It's um, like all bundled. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so Lainey just sent me a great bio. I'm excited to read it. So Lainey Sullivan is a musician and activist. She is the vocalist and a harmonium player for the World Fusion folk band Lobo Marino, who are amazing. That's my own addition. She is also co-founder, along with her partner, Jameson Price, of the Earth Folk Collective of a 200-year-old house in Southside Richmond, Virginia, which Sullivan and her partner Price are converting into a sustainable homestead project and venue for donation-based community workshops. In the past two years, Lainey has become increasingly involved in the Virginia environmental justice movement and has organized protests and info sessions on issues such as the coal ash dewatering process and natural gas pipeline infrastructure in the state of Virginia. Although she has been very busy with permits and hearings and political protests, she feels that her greatest contributions to the movement are through song and growing her own food. And I, I love that because there's so much in there. And it's a, such a big question on so many people's minds right now of like how how can we like keep these really earthy um, in touch lifestyles um, while like not getting consumed by social media and just media in general and but how, yet we want to make a difference and mm-hmm. um, on New Year's Eve uh, Lobo Marino played a, a kirtan at, at this um, retreat and it was so beautiful and Lainey was um, talking even though you're losing her voice at the time and talking about just your need to keep showing up and to keep making a difference and I, I really just felt what you were saying so I was like I want her to be on the podcast so thank you for being here and for for just sharing yourself and doing so many great things and and I'd love to hear a little bit more from you about how you got started on your path as being um, an, a musician and how that has um, intertwined with you also being an activist yeah, totally. Um, it, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for, for having me. Um, so my, my partner, Jameson, and I, we, we started traveling when we were first together, and I had been traveling all around the world when I was in college. I, I studied comparative world religion and Spanish and international studies, and I spent like two years abroad um, in Spain and India and Thailand and Taiwan and, and Greece studying different things. And, and I kind of, I had still had the travel bug when I met Jameson. And so we decided to go together for a year and, um, and live in South America. And so we sold all of our stuff and got rid of our apartment and um, saved like a couple thousand dollars just as a cushion. And we went to mostly Chile um, but also Argentina and Colombia, and we worked on a lot of organic farms, and we um, we stayed in a lot of communes and just traveled doing work trades. And um, I had brought an accordion along with me because I was traveling with my backpack on my back and my accordion on my front, and um, Jameson had his guitar strapped to his backpack, 
and we wrote a bunch of songs while we were traveling in South America. So when we came back home to Richmond, we wanted to record our, the songs that we had written just to be able to, you know, have this really nice keepsake from our, our travels. And um, we recorded the album at a, a recording studio here in town, um, and we played a show, and it just, like, everything felt really, really good about presenting the music to, to the outside world. And, um, and we got a couple write-ups about that album in local press, and we started playing it on the radio. And, and so we were like, oh, hey, well, this music thing is, is fun, and we like these songs. And, and we still, when we came back, we still didn't have a permanent residence, so we just went on the road and started traveling around the country playing music. And we pretty much, like, practiced and, and became a, a real band while, while playing shows all around the country. We playing a lot of um, DIY spaces and punk houses and um, art galleries and coffee shops. We were really on that underground circuit. So we got to also kind of be on the pulse of, of what the, the, um, the scene was doing in different cities. And, um, and so that... And, then the the music really led us into the activism because when we started um, first learning about chanting and we were recognizing that we were playing shows every single night almost because, you know, we were on tour. We'd play a show every night in a different city and sing the same songs over and over again. And they were becoming mantras for our life. You know, they were manifesting things. And people were listening to the songs and learning them and carrying those, those ideas with them. And so we got to a place where we decided that we only wanted to write music, that we were really intentional about the message, messaging, and um, that we were not only intentionally crafting the lyrical content to make us better people and support us in our path, but to help others also. So we would do a lot of exercises of envisioning what the world needed at the moment. And that, that's when we were writing our album, We Hear the Ocean. And what kept coming up was um, that we as human beings in our modern society, in America specifically, are so disconnected from the earth. And we're so disconnected from the source. And um, I think that that's one of the catalysts of our, our spiritual illness that we have, um, you know, that manifests itself in, this, in, in the extreme kind of voracious capitalism that, that sustainability can't, isn't part of. Um, but also in our, our relationship to our resources, and how we treat um, these very precious things that we take for granted, like clean water and clean soil and clean air. And, um, and so that, that's how they kind of inter- they wove themselves together. So we started writing um, deeply spiritual music that in a chant-like way about the earth. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, for for people out there who don't know much about like kirtan and chanting, can you explain a bit about the philosophy of why one would want to go and sing the same song lyric over and over and over again? What that means? Right. So um, there's there's an 
Well, it's, it's a little, there's variations, of course. Different people have different understandings of, of it. But um, there's something called mantra. And it's not only the sound resonance, the resonance of, of the sound vibration itself, but the intention of, of this, the sound. And, um, and it can help you cultivate things in yourself, whether you have a mantra like Om Shanti, like peace, and you say it to yourself in your meditations, and you can use it to draw your mind back to focus to a place of peace. But even in a non-spiritual way, more of a, a like a psychological way, thought is one of the first um, aspects of ma- a manifestation. You know, you have thought, and then you have word, and then you have your expression out into your actions with your body. And words are kind of actions with your body too. So um, it's really important to to not only be careful about what we put into our minds, but especially careful about how we're using our voices um, to support the things that we want to support in the world and to manifest the world of ideas that we want to project upon our reality. So um, through mantra, through chant, even if your chant is, you know, I will be loving, I will be loving, I will be loving, that you can cultivate that spirit within yourself through, through that practice, that self-discipline. And I honestly, I, I love, I've, I've gotten a lot of sonic inspirations from a Sanskrit mantra, but what moves me the most and what I use to pray, if I'm like praying with a mala or something, would be, is is English um, because that's that's what I feel like I'm supposed to work with. So I do a lot of chanting in English in my own personal. It's really practice. Yeah. Well, and and your music too. I I, I love your um, Sanskrit when you when you sing it, but I I really connect to the the English of like this is you know like we have a we have a sound vibration in our language too. And for mm-hmm. those out there, the Sanskrit is, you know, the, it's a vibratory language. And so it's, it's being able to just hear the, the syllables can be healing. But I think that our words in English have that potential as well and how we use them. And um, your music's a great example of that. Um, I like to put your music you. on when I'm just like working for a long time just to kind of keep me in like remembering why I'm working and remembering <laughs> what it is. <laughs> I'm trying to do with my time and my energy rather than just like check off the boxes. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Totally. Have you always had this connection to to the earth or was that something that you you gained as you traveled? No, I did not grow up like that. Um I I grew up in the suburbs of Washington DC. I grew up in Arlington and lived in a condo for a lot of my childhood, you know, like right across the street from Bolton Mall. I was like a little mall rat kid. And um, and it was, I got to this place when I had graduated from college where I was like, I know how to write a lot of papers about a lot of different things, I, you know, that I can philosophize about, but I don't know how to grow my own food. And that there's the what kind of power do I have? Like, why have I been studying and for years and years and years and I don't know how to do this, like, really basic survival, um, act of survival? So that was my first revelation. And then when we were traveling in South America, yeah, we were staying on those, the communities where, where we were growing food 
Um, that was the very beginning. And then um, a couple things happened to me that really, like, pushed me over the edge with, with the, um, the nature connection. <laughs> and um, one of them was I, we volunteered for a couple weeks at this really magical place called Hostel in the Forest which is in um, Brunswick, Georgia, near the coast between Jacksonville and Savannah. And it's an eco-hostel where you sleep in tree houses and they have domes and, and um, there are all these paths that were, are built as like boardwalks above the, the, the floor of the forest. And it's all like palmettos and, and um, Georgia pines and live oaks with the Spanish moss hanging from them. And it's this really, really magical, beautiful, quiet place to, to be. And something happened to me there where um, I started to understand the relationships that different plants and animals had um, with each other in the, the ecosystem. And I started to just, like, observe the the pieces of that, that make this whole vibrant existence, you know, that, that, I, that I was witnessing and how interconnected everything was and how, you know, this, this palm frond or is, is leaning in this direction because of the quality of the soil and the patterns of the water and the, the, the light and how the light, you know, comes through the canopy. And, when and, and it's almost like the psychedelic vision, you know, like an Alex Gray painting where all of the the energy lines are going in different directions and, and you understand your place in it a little bit better. But and then you also if you're someone like me, you realize how out of sync um we we are from from that that beautiful, um, natural way of being in our everyday lives, in our everyday um, experiences of feeding ourselves and, and drinking. You know, it's a lot different to drink from a spring on a mountain and understand how the microflora of the water is affecting the, you know, the, the environment of your body um, versus, you know, like hyper-filtered city water and getting it from your tap. There's a difference in experience between picking something, a, a vegetable up off the shelf of a grocery store and spending months cultivating a seed, like a tiny seed that you planted and pulling it out of the earth and like thanking it and realizing that you had some kind of energetic exchange with this thing that you're consuming to, for your life force to continue. So this is a really, really deeply spiritual experience that I had with nature and as soon as I realized that that was one of my paths to 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 um discover it's just been like unfolding to me um constantly and and you know at the beginning of the program you're talking about social media and um I think that working in the garden psychologically saved me a lot this year you know it really saved my mental health because um it's nothing like just unplugging and going out into the sun and digging in the dirt and rearranging things that you know are are going to nourish you this is the most 
like positive nourishing thing that you could do, especially when you're doing it with um, organic systems that are made to be um, self-feeding and, and cyclical, that you're just like nurturing the earth and feeding the soil and it feeds you back. Um, and, and we all are so interconnected um, that, you know, those kinds of things really do matter. Um, yeah, so a long answer. <laughs> it's a beautiful answer. Uh, so it, feel, it feels like it's like both very like what, what helped you to like understand your connection with, was really giving yourself the space to have experiences where, mm-hmm. where you could be like um, wooed by Mother Nature and, and mm-hmm. like that, um, that really one thing led to another and it, it, it brought you into a place where you wanted to live and protect. And it, was, it didn't sound like it started from like a place of like I should be more environmental like it was more of like a love affair. It sounds like totally, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and that's I've always really thought that about volunteering and activism. It's like if it's if it feels like an obligation, it's probably not going to work. But if it feels mm. like like love, like you look forward to it. I I teach um, meditation to um, homeless people here in DC, and I've done it for a while and. I just, I love it. It's like my favorite moment of the week. It's just such an amazing moment to go and, you know, share that practice with like such an amazing group of people that I would never get to hang out with otherwise. And that's why, that's why I keep doing it. But there are so many things that come across my plate that I'm like, that sounds great. Like I should do that. That's like the thought, but it's not the like love feeling that I hear when you speak about what what you do with earth. And, yeah, um, I mean, and there's so many problems going on in the world. Like, we, if you were going to try to shoulder the burden of all of the issues that we're facing right now, you would, you would just be feel defeated, I think. And so, yeah, I think being compelled by that love and that natural passion and honoring that is, is our own individual, um, like, compass within this, massive work that we as a collective have to take on we can see through our love what what we're compelled to do each day and which will what will make us feel more whole because if it's not out of love then what's the point you know it's true but I think some people like maybe have never considered that they could do this work out of love you know because there's there's it feels so it feels so like a like a battle sometimes and yeah. like we we want to fight and we want to win um and i it's one of the things that i believe that we need a different paradigm to explore activism in and um something that you said when uh you were speaking on new year's eve up on stage and you were talking about being involved with a, um a pipeline project um, opposing a pipeline project that was going through the land near Yogaville down in southern Virginia and just about how much the odds were stacked against the, the people being able to like get the, the clean water and but yet how you realized that you needed to just show up anyways. Mm-hmm. Can, can you speak a little bit more about that experience and how you stay encouraged in, um, in the face of you know really big other forces and how you handle not feeling defeated? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, there there's a lot of corruption um, on every level, and 
that that was part of what we were dealing with um, with the the Yogaville compressor station and the ACP and all those issues. Um, and I would get so frustrated because I just want everybody to, from Yogaville to show up at the meetings and like it would matter, you know. <laughs> and and I think that in some respect, what we learned is that it didn't necessarily matter how many people showed up or what we said because the decision that of the board of supervisors was already made. It was made a long time ago, and. Um, when they finally voted, it was in the, a meeting last week um, to approve the compressor station for the Land Coast Pipeline. Um, you know, we, we left the meeting, and for some magical reason, I didn't feel defeated at all. I just felt like this is, the, yeah, this is the work that I'm compelled to do from a a place from my spirit just wants to be part of this. We are, we as a group of people in the opposition are forming really beautiful working relationships with each other that I think are really valuable and will be valuable on the long term. And um, the truth will manifest itself. And I don't necessarily know how or when or in what way, but I, it's really important that I stay true to what I believe is, is my work um, because all of our actions are really significant and for the future. Everything we do with our, our life force energy. And so it's important that we, we just continue to do them um, and understand that we're just like teeny, teeny, tiny little specks of this great time continuum, you know, and, and, and it's just important that we stay true to our work. And, um, and, and who knows what will happen. But I felt, yeah, I felt really good about the relationships that we were all creating, even if we didn't win that specific, if there was a lot of trials within that specific um, process. And one thing that a, a friend of mine recently told me who had come back from Standing Rock, um, he said one of the, the greatest lessons he took away from his experience there was there are, you know, there are the three camps um, and then there's one camp where they're building infrastructure. They're building a school, like a Cobb schoolhouse. And he said it was really beautiful to see everybody investing in a, something that could exist on the long term within this direct action, like really moment-to-moment based um, protest, um, that, that it's important within the moment um, needs to not only do what's appropriate for the moment, but to also build relationships and infrastructure for the future so that there's long-staying um, effects of what we're learning. And I think that that's really important in, in the work that, that all of us activists are doing. Find what, within like your direct action in the moment, what else can you do that's going to have long, lasting effects? What I hear and what you're saying is, is like a sense of personal integrity, that like you, you showing up as a practice is something that helps you to, to stay in integrity with yourself. 
around your values mm-hmm. and how, you, mm-hmm. how you're working with that in the world. And then I also hear like what you were saying um, in the beginning of the conversation around sustainability, that like you're setting, seeing, seeing the long range like um, effects of, of this, this, what we're in right now and being able to not get discouraged because it's, I think we do live in a very like um, gratification-based culture right now where we want to see the effects of our work right away and to just feel the, the, the lengths and the depths and, um, and the, really the journey that we're on in this and that you're, uh, you're doing your part, you're like moving forward on the journey even if it's maybe not as like quickly and, um, you know, bountifully as we all would want to see right away. Right. And, and I think that cultivating, the most important work that we can do is cultivating within ourselves that unmovable peace because I think in, the, in a spiritual way with all the things that are going on around us, that um, nonviolence, to me, for me, nonviolence is the answer I, that I have to stick with that for my spirit. But there's a power in nonviolence where you cultivate so much um, love and truth and forgiveness and all of these, these powerful, beautiful qualities, and you stand in that. And I think that just by, like, holding that space within yourself that when you're you're interacting with what you would otherwise see as like the oppressor or the, the other, that that energy that you're holding that you are working on in yourself can transform them too. I think that that, that transformative energy is the only thing that can really save us in the long run um, and because it's not from a place of ego. It's not like I'm right, I'm, you're wrong. It's just like love and forgiveness and acceptance that you cultivate within yourself and, um, and it makes you more fortified to stand um, against these, these really oppressive um, energies. I don't know. This is pretty woo-woo. <laughs> it's, hard to, it's hard to describe, you know, but I really have a lot of faith in it. Yeah. I, I mean, absolutely. I think a lot that is, like the power of love to change things and it's totally woo-woo and it's the most practical tool that I know how to use too of just like wait how do I like get just so big that I can hold this whole conflict right now and not um Mm -hmm. and hold this conflict in myself I've just been doing a lot of work recently around just seeing how hard I am on myself when I make mistakes and really reprogramming that internal voice to be like it's okay like they are all learning we all get to make mistakes like that you didn't you didn't know, now you know. And, like, I'm like, oh, I can't be gentle with other people for mistakes that they're making that they can't see until I do it with myself. And I, But I, I think what's interesting about this power of love and forgiveness is that, it's, for me, it's a little hard to call upon it unless I have been taking care of myself and tending to my, my practices like meditation and yoga and um, sleeping and eating good food, all of these things. And it's like, if I can, if I can practice the self care, then I have a much wider access to the power of my own heart in moments where I'm feeling really stressed and um, Mm -hmm. challenged and and in conflict. Otherwise I just kind of get swept away with all of that. So I'm curious if that feels true to you and, um, and what, what practicing self care as an activist means for you to be able to show up in that energy of love. My my body tells me <laughs> if 
by just making me sick if I'm if I'm overextending myself, which um which I have been and I do often, <laughs> and you know it it is a uh, constant checking in. Um, I don't live a really like very luxurious lifestyle just because of um, the condition that we bought the collective in because. The, um, when we bought our house, the Earthfoot Collective, it had been abandoned for 20 years and was full of trash and collapsing in on itself. And so um, last year was full of, like, really unpleasant construction and cleaning and, like, trying to make the house a safe space for us. Um, and I, and um, so now that it's a little bit more under control, it is like so important for us, for me to have a place where I can come to rest and to rejuvenate and just be. Um, otherwise, yeah, I'll get I'll get sick. Um, and oh, what was the other thing I was going to tell you about? Maybe it'll come back to me. It has to do with um, no, I don't. I've lost it. I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. It, it's out there. Um, well, what what? This is a question I always like to ask on um, on these podcasts. But what does self care mean to you? Because I think it's something that we all have our own definitions of. Yeah, um, I think self care to me means going above and beyond what I think I need to rest until I'm better like the other day when when we had to cancel the call because I still hadn't gotten my voice back um I just had to like be in bed all day and not leave bed (laughs) and I did that and went to bed early and woke up and and I was much much better (laughs) so that was that was great I needed to do that even though like it drives me crazy and I get like super stir crazy um because I'm really social and want to do a bazillion things all the time that was and all silence is really really essential for me um I lose a lot of my energy by communicating and listening and the silent retreat that we were just all at um even though I was staffing was such a treat for me to not have to speak because um it you really enables me to like energetically refuel and recalibrate I really love not talking for long long periods of time because um I you know we people just say so many mindless things naturally (laughs) when they're speaking and so um I I feel like I'm still training myself in that and I, I need more training so I, I like to go in silence often. Sometimes I'll come back from tour and just take a whole day of silence and, like, walk around with a little piece of paper in my pocket in case I see a friend and um, show them, like, no, I'm up there in silence right now. And I think that's inspiring to them. And we also, oh, and we live one mile from the James River. And Jameson and I walk to the James River. When it's nice outside, we'll walk there, like, twice a week to just take a walk and be by the water. We'll meditate down by the river, do yoga down by the river, um, spend time in nature, harvest pawpaws. And um, that 
is really essential for my self-care. I need to go to the river often to, to feel healthy and rejuvenated. There's, uh, there's a river access at the Arboretum here in D.C. to the Anacostia, and mm-hmm. I, need, I need to go there, like, once a week with my dog, and that's, like, essential for my self-care. It's like there's never anyone else there. I just love sitting by that river. So I, I hear you on the river self-care. Yeah, yeah, it's the best. Mm. Yeah, I just the, made one of the rooms, one of our roommates moved out recently, and I made the room that they were living in into a yoga room <laughs> and meditation room. So it has nothing in it except for the mat and a little altar and um, some plants. And um, But trying to go in there once a day and do something. Like, I'm not too regimented with myself. It's whatever I need to do, I'll do. But um, whether go up there and meditate or stretch or whatever needs to be done at that moment. That's been really nice. That's great. Well, it, okay, for, I'm thinking about maybe somebody who's listening to this podcast right now and they're inspired to, you know, get, be a little bit more connected to the earth, maybe take a little bit more time being quiet, get involved in some issues that, that light them up. Um, what advice would you give to somebody who is working a, a pretty stressful job and living in a city where it feels really hard to connect to the earth? Like what are some small ways to begin to remember this earth connection that, that I hear is very sustaining for you? You can. Um, there's lots of things that you can do. But um, one of them is gross start a little garden, even if you can just do one tomato plant in your window or on your your um, windowsill. That's a great way. Growing your own sprouts is really amazing thing to do. You just take a mason jar and buy some alfalfa sprouts and you rinse them once a day and put them in the sunshine and you have fresh sprouts. It's really nice to watch the seeds germinate. Um, you could go on a walk and try to pay attention to the birds and the birds, different types of bird song. Try to pick up some leaves and see what kind of trees are around you or look at the patterns of the bark. I love photography. Photography is a really wonderful way to reconnect with nature is if you go out and give yourself a challenge of taking up one photo of something from nature that you notice differently, that's a great way. Um, but also getting out, you know, the, the silent retreats at Yogaville are amazing. If you live in the D.C. area, just drive down. They have 10-day retreats and 5-day retreats, and uh, they're highly recommended. Um, you know, get together with your friends and have a, a, a little retreat gathering if, if you want. Or, or don't get together with anybody and have a day of silence where you just abstain from speaking all day and do more listening. Um, and then uh, something else that's really, really amazing that I suggest doing if you have time is um, go to earthskillsgatherings.org and they have um, these gatherings all around the country that are earth skills and there are a lot of primitive skills so you can learn, you can go and learn how to make friction fire, how to make fire just out of, you know, like rubbing woods together or how to 
the first one I ever went to, I learned how to weave a uh, basket out of pine needles. And, and that was really amazing for me. And um, so you can learn all these kind of like nature connective activities where you're using materials from the natural world that you otherwise might discard and not, not pay attention to, but you're learning how to like weave baskets out of honeysuckle vines and, and identify wild edible plants and medicines. And, and that, that really opens up a, a big window into your under, to our understanding of how our species has, has interacted with, with nature throughout time. Thank you for that beautiful list. There's, mm-hmm. there's a lot in there for everybody. I, I personally love making sprouts. I feel like that's a very easy thing to do. And, and I love knowing what's edible outside, like the wild greens. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me just made me feel so much more connected to my environment when I was like, oh, I can eat chickweed and I can eat dandelion greens. Like I can chew on the red clover tops. Like all of that is edible. And it, it makes me feel much more like friendly towards nature to know that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to add to the list just because it popped in my head, is reading Mary Oliver's poetry. Do you ever read oh, her? Oh, yeah. I love her. Mm-hmm. So if you're trapped in an office but you need to fall in love with nature, she just, her nature poems are such love poems about, you know, how nature really um, carries us through and gives us hope and inspiration. So thank you so much for your sharing your hope and your inspiration. And I, yeah. I wanted to just point out one last thing here, which is that I, I really love how you really let yourself learn as you go along. Like when you talk about your, your journey as a musician that you started touring and then you really realized how to be a musician and you grew up in the suburbs, but you like wanted to fall in love with the earth. So you, you know, put yourself in these cool environments and it seems like you really let yourself be in process and, and like, um, and yet it feels like it's, it, it's come to fruition in some really awesome ways. So thanks for just showing up and, and being real. <laughs> Oh, it's my pleasure. It's been beautifully unfolding constantly, so I'm just grateful to be on the ride. Great. Well, um, can you tell people how they might want to stay in touch with you if they want to know more about the Earth? Um, yeah. The Earth yeah. Folk Collective, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, you're always welcome to visit us if you're in Richmond. You can just send us a Facebook message. We have a page, the Earth Folk Collective, where you can see our um, programming that, that we'll be doing throughout the year. And um, we have also a really sweet Instagram feed, Lobo Marino Music. We do it through the band, but there's a lot of um, great Earth Folk moments, hashtagged, like hashtag Earth Folk Collective on Instagram, um, and you can follow Lobo Marino Music. And um, that's our website for the band, too, lobomarinomusic.com. And, um, yeah, keep an eye out for programming. Come visit. If anybody really would, is going to be in Richmond and would like, is interested in, in offering a workshop to people in Richmond, you can contact us also, and, um, and we can talk about that. Awesome. And if, and if you ever get a chance to see Lobo Marino play, I highly recommend it. You all are really magical. Um, transportive music and um, I look forward to seeing you hopefully a few times in 2017 yeah we should be up in DC a bunch lovely all right well thank you Lainey and thank you to everybody who is listening I hope you 
feel a little bit more connected and the little maybe some more permission this weekend to go out and do some things that, that make you feel more grounded and more in touch with all this energy of earth that's around us. Even if that feels really woo-woo, I do think it is what we need to sustain ourselves and just to kind of like Lainey is saying, keep the, keep it in mind that the, this is a long journey that we're on and um, take care of yourself as we walk it. So thanks Lainey. Thank you, Gracie. Awesome. Bye, everyone. Bye. Hi, this is Gracie with Beautiful Life Self-Care. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I hope you learned something new. If you want to connect more, then visit me at selfcarewithgracie.com. There you can sign up for my weekly newsletter where on Wednesday afternoons, I'll send you more self-care practices. Hello more inspiration and more opportunity to connect to a community of people who really care about really good self-care. Also write me if you have any other questions or if you have ideas for future shows. My email address is selfcarewithgracie at gmail.com. Thanks a lot. And remember, keep putting yourself first and everything else will fall into place. Mm -hmm.